The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you that are listening out there today. We're really glad that you're We've got a great program today, as usual, and my guest is Doe A, and she's going to be talking with us about the journey to the mystic heart and sharing with us the depth of, of her recovery and how it has actually led her into mysticism. So we know you're going to enjoy this, and uh, we'll hear, hear lots from Doe here in just a minute. But we want to thank all of you for participating and for listening with us today. <coughs> We're glad that you are looking us up on Facebook, so we hope that you will visit our Facebook page. And um, let your friends and uh, people that you know in recovery know about the Spirit of Recovery program, because we um, like to reach out to new listeners and like to share the good news that we've got here on the program. Every week we talk about topics that are important to you, to the recovery community, and our guests are always down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative they're people that are in recovery themselves or people that work with or write for recovering people and a lot of times um, all the above. We always have guests that get you thinking that open you up to new avenues and new depths in recovery and open you up to new ideas about what's possible on the recovery journey. Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place and so if you're a person that's <coughs> in recovery <coughs> from any kind of addiction, if you're a family member in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or a friend of somebody that's in recovery and you're just curious about the recovery process or you're simply somebody that wants to learn more about the process of recovery, we welcome you and your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and trained in addictions counseling. Also, I'm a person who has, in my circle of love and friendship, many people with the disease of addiction. And about 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. Ever since then, my walk has been an integration of unity principles and recovery principles. 
they really transform my life and keep me growing in ever deeper ways and bring me a quality of life that uh, I didn't know was possible. So I'm very grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you. And we really want to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery. On every show, we do have a drawing, and we give away a recovery book, and that's donated to us by the nonprofit Hazelden Foundation. And that's www.hazelden.org. So thank you very much to Hazelden. Today's book that we're giving away is by the renowned author Melody Beatty, and the book is Playing It by Heart, Taking Care of Yourself No Matter What. So we invite you to email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the show now or anytime and uh, give us your name and we'll be happy to put that in the drawing for the book. The phone number to call in is 888-558-6489 and uh, the email is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. Again, you can uh, email or call in at any time, and then especially in the second and third segments of the show, we'd love to hear from you and hear any comments or questions that you have for our guests, and she would love to address those. Also, I want to let you know that um, the team at Unity Online Radio is exploring the possibility of a listener conference at Unity Village, which is in the Kansas City, Missouri area. That's this fall. And the online radio team's goal is to create an experience for you, our listeners, to learn more about what it uh, might be like to uh, be together and to meet your hosts and so forth. So we've put together a survey. And if you're interested in participating in the conference or not, we'd appreciate it if you would take a minute to complete the survey. Simply go online to www.unity.fm and click on the blue survey button. And if we have more than 100 listeners that are interested in uh, such a listener conference, the team will start working to create that experience based on the survey results. So please go on www.unity.fm and click on the blue survey button so that you can share your ideas about um, the concept of coming to a listener conference. So today our topic is... The Journey to the Mystic Heart, and joining me is my guest, Doe A. Doe has 38 years of sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous, and 26 years ago, she started working on her inner child development, and that has profoundly deepened her recovery. Doe's been a part of Unity and has studied and applied the Unity philosophy for 23 years, service as well as the inner child work, is a key part of Doe's life and of her recovery. And we'll hear today how those two intertwine. Doe sponsors women as they recover their deepest selves. Doe is also a pediatric physical therapist, and she's done master's work in counseling. She's worked with children for over 50 years and has developed techniques that uh, support children in integrating mind and body in ways that make profound changes and uh, help them to make progress. Much of her career has been with disabled children, and she has also developed um, some handwriting techniques that help children get a kinesthetic sense to get a sense of that mind-body connection. 
and Doe has also taught developmental and neurological assessment to residents in pediatrics. And all of these uh, parts of her professional life have also intertwined and had a profound effect on her personal recovery as well as vice versa. And so we'll be hearing about that today. So Doe, welcome uh, to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad that you're joining us here today. Thank you, Reverend Anna. I'm so glad to be here, really. Um, after hearing the introduction, I just I thought, wow, who is this, who is this person? Um, but what I, I have been trying to reflect this morning and yesterday about the end of what my recovery has brought to me, and I want to kind of frame that around that I have a path that I use to fall back into, mm-hmm. and... The um, the visual that I have is it's the root. Um, it's the root of my being, and I really am more comfortable there than I am um, from maybe the leaves or the twigs of the tree because mm-hmm. there's a different perspective because it feels safe to me. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I would like to express kind of how my journey started um, from the point of view of my family system was an alcoholic system, and... My father used alcohol to cope with his life, and my mother was focused, of course, on him, and she was young, and she was immature, and I was raised in a fundamentalist religion, Um, and so my concept of life and what God was like was primarily a punishing God or a judgmental experience or God was never around or God was withholding, and God only loved me when I was good. And 26 years ago, when I began understanding, now I'd been in AA 12 years, that I was reading a book and I, I ran across a quote that said, God is always visible the moment the inward eye is clear. And this was written by a man named Rufus Jones. Now, I don't, I don't know Rufus Jones, um, and at the time I, I didn't know what that mean, meant at all, um, But most importantly is that I had been in AA 12 years um, and really didn't understand the serenity prayer in that I didn't understand the concept of God and the granting I certainly didn't understand and the me was completely lost. Mm -hmm. So I was attending meetings and I was doing what I was told, but I was felt totally disconnected and incomplete In retrospect, what I do know is that my 18 years of being loyal to my family system through my own alcoholism deepened the rupture that I came away from the home with. The self, the child, the lost child was further driven by my own shame um, and my own abusing myself and not understanding, even begin to understand self-care. While I'm having this career in alcohol, I was having a career in physical therapy, but it was at that time what I realized that it was a wonderful place for me to hide. That Even then we were wearing white, so I, I can't be bad if I'm treating people and I'm helping people. So it was just a constant reliving of, of the false self that we have heard so often about. So and, it sounds like what you're saying is there is a disconnect between how you felt about yourself inside and maybe Absolutely. how you were seen outside. I had, exactly. I had no interior feeling that was real. 
Mm-hmm. My my realness or whatever felt real for me was external, and of course that's the essence of addiction. If there's something wrong, then let me fix it outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I had I made a I was I was making a decision: did I or did I not want to go to graduate school? And I visited a psychiatrist, and he had visited with me before I went into a. 12 years prior, and he explained to me that it was really, you know, not my alcoholism today, although that was some remnants of what I had done to myself, but it was really my disconnect and my inability to understand and what I was about and what, mm-hmm. where I was disconnected, and that it was really important for me if I, would, I needed to go to ACA. And ACS and adult children of alcoholics. That's right, and that, mm-hmm. that was that was back in the eighties, and it was new. And I, my reaction to that was, you know, what else am I going to need to do? I've, I've been to AA, and, but I fought that for eight weeks, and finally um, surrendered and began going to AA. I'm sorry, ACA, and also then CODA. And CODA is Codependence Anonymous. That's correct. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I guess that it's very hard for me to even begin to express what that opened up for me. Mm-hmm. Because in the first of all, it, we you you cannot heal what you can't see. At least that's what I, my experience is. And I began understanding. Um, how really valuable a child is and to understand that a child is vulnerable, that a child is really imperfect, that a child is really dependent and that they're immature. But what I realized is that I was a sober child. So it was that you had had your sobriety and that part was going well, but there was some kind of an inner gap or a, a feeling of somehow not all is right with my world is that that's right i mm-hmm. thought why does it have to be this hard mm-hmm. it shouldn't be this hard i'm sober but that was only the beginning of my journey at least from my experience right. and uh i was seeing a therapist who had trained at the meadows and tell us a little we bit were- about what the meadows is the meadows um is a treatment facility for addictions uh, whether it be alcohol, love addiction, sex addiction, all eating disorders. And um, Pia Melody was giving workshops in the area where I am, and I attended some of those workshops, and I kept hearing, but that's me, that's that lost child, that's what's happening here for me. And I made the decision to take myself to the Meadows, I'm sorry, my mouth was dry. <clears throat> and that's probably the best thing that I have, one of the best things at least that I've done for myself. Because while I, in the week that I was there, the beginning of the detoxing of who I thought I was unfolds. And I began, you have to start writing about your abandonment and how you've continued to do that yourself with your own behaviors, with your own thinking. 
I had to understand really how to not only think, but how I felt. I had to understand what boundaries were. What I realized that I was so ill-prepared that everything that I engaged in primarily was almost automatic. And my defenses were learned. And how I thought about myself was inaccurate. But the primary and the most helpful understandings was that control, compulsive self-reliance almost killed me. There is no spirituality in control because the self-reliance was what I learned as in my family system because there is no one there to care, so I, if I don't, it's not done. Kind of thinking is disastrous. It was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I realized that I really needed to grieve what I never had. Alice Miller, who has written this wonderful book, The Drama of the Gifted Child, states that um, one of the, the saddest things is to have not been loved for who you are. And to mourn that is the beginning of knowing the true self. Because I began realizing that, there, that I wasn't bad, that I was ill-prepared, that I was immature. And that the Meadows, the fourth step, is really about claiming that which is good in you and understanding what is dysfunctional and what you need to let go of that is causing you even more harm. And learning how to integrate. Um, and the consequences, I had, I really could, the consequences of my addiction, uh, Anna, was totally foreign to me. I mean, I understood that I had hurt people, that I had put myself in jeopardy, but I had really no really clue about how I had continued to drive the shame deeper and to, you know, not even knowing who I was. So I was so grateful that I had really attempted to really find myself and to come home. And in doing this work, I have really realized that healing um, takes is in stages. It doesn't happen. I was not just enlightened in an instant because I'm still not. And that's the the precious part of waiting in the pain because that's where my fruits are. And I have done this and done voting for 26 years. But the Meadows experience was about we went to class. We learned about boundaries. We learned about um, how we defended ourselves with either walls or anger or how we withdrew. We understood about how we were not integrated. Um, And then we would take our history from birth until 18 and understand where we had been spiritually, emotionally, and physically abused, and we would process this for eight hours a day. We had meals together. Um, We perhaps sometimes would wear sacks on our back to remind us of our shame, that it's carried, that it's not ours. Mm-hmm. So it's a really deconstructing of the false self and to reclaim what has always been there. Doe, thank you so much. It's time for our break. You're telling us uh, things that are very meaningful and, and really support us in finding ourselves. We'll be right back in just a moment. Stay with us. 
If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for The Blessing of the Financial Crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Journey to the Mystic Heart, and my guest is Doe A. Doe has 38 years of sobriety and Alcoholics Anonymous, and she has 28 years of recovering her deep self um, as she's done profound inner child work that's deepened her recovery and led her into mysticism. So she's telling us about that and how that works in her life and how she shares that with uh, other people in her world. So uh, we're really grateful for Doe being here today. Before Doe and I continue our conversation, I'd invite you, uh, our listeners, to take a moment as we center ourselves in peace of mind and join together in the Serenity Minute. We'll take a moment to relax and focus on a constructive thought and allow ourselves to be refreshed by our higher power. So I invite you to relax and listen to this constructive thought and take it in. I trust my higher power with the deepest and most tender parts of myself. 
I am loved, I am worthy, I am safe. I trust my higher power with the deepest and most tender parts of myself. I am loved, I am worthy, I am safe. Thank you, listeners, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And now we're back with my guest, Doe A. We're talking about Journey to the Mystic Heart. This is a very good time in this portion of our show to give us a call or an email. Give us any of your comments or your questions. I'm sure that uh, Doe would love to address those. And our email address is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. And our phone number is 888-55-UNITY. And we'd love to hear from you and hear any comments or questions that you have. And also, our book that we're giving away today that's donated by Hazelden Foundation is by Melody Beatty. And it's called Playing It by Heart, Taking Care of Yourself No Matter What. So if you give us a call or an email, we'll put your name in the drawing for that book. So now we're back to my guest, Doe A., and, um, Doe, you were telling us uh, before the break there about your experience at the Meadows, which is a, a treatment center that does address addiction and also addresses those deeper issues of the, the recovery of the real self. And you were uh, talking uh, with us about some of the processes that are used there to, to help people get a sense of, of what their real self is and a sense of what some of those control things that we all do that, to protect ourselves. How did that change your life uh, to go to the Meadows and do that work? Well, um, one way to say that what occurred for me was an awareness of how I was living my life, how I was seeing, how I was thinking. And I couldn't change until I really realized that. And the bottom uh, result is that I just had to be make a distinguishing shift uh, from my ego to my true self. The true self that I now understand was the precious child that was always there, the spark, the joy, the, the imagination and the creativity that I, the false self within myself, my ego defenses, my control, how I used walls, how I was not able to access and center myself into coming from rather than reacting to. It gave me who I am that I can express without faltering and being ashamed of who I am. It's about loving. I learned to really love. You know, I said earlier perhaps that control and love are just not compatible. I, there tell is no tell us about I, that. How does that work? How is it that they're if, not compatible? If I, am, if I am in the process of running external life, I'm not at all expressing the Christ. There is, no, there is an incompatibility with me attempting to control everything that's in front of me, whether it's uh, even the outcome of the children I treated. I have a part and a responsibility, but I have to know the difference. And therein was the serenity pride. I never did know the wisdom of the difference. Mm-hmm. Because I brought to my life's work, and that's meaning interaction with relationships or with people that 
I needed to have, you know, the answer. I needed to know which way was the right way. And so that was totally imbalanced. And, you know, to understand control um, in the home environment was to really, if I said that everything was out of control, that would feel like that I would die. Mm -hmm. So I assumed all that responsibility to save this system or this family, and when it didn't work, then I... That blame is my fault. I mean, that's what I carried with me through the meadows and to my alcoholism. <clears> that you know, the drinking was attempting to push back all those feelings of failures and not enoughness. Um, you know, it's kind of like the picture of the mobile that's swinging out of control. I was on that outer edge, attempting to get this balance back, and and being at the meadows and understanding and grieving the old pain that was carried that was not even mine, that was disowned within this system, freed me to be who I am and feel, I can feel my own feelings. I can feel my own sadness, but I cannot carry yours. That's what breaks, it broke me. But I, did, I didn't know those things. I was not aware, I was not enlightened about that. So I had to give that back to them and, and that was the, the ending of the work there, the survivors. It's called a survivor's workshop where we do shame reduction in the sense that I was identified as having, let's say, three children, maybe a six-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old child. Within yourself. my life. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Within yourself. Yes, within myself. That, that was making my decisions. I mean deciding what I would do and not do, and that continued a disconnect. And so in this work, it's a gestalt experience, really, where we bring in a parent, and I brought in my father, and he was sitting in a chair, and his head was down, and he wasn't looking at me, and he was drunk. That was, that was my experience within so myself. Like a role, a role play kind exactly. of exercise. Exactly, it was a role mm-hmm. play. And so... With Pia was the facilitator for my group, which uh, was fortunate because she was she's very gifted at identifying and helping bring in these children. And I make a commitment, and I to the child that I will now be responsible. My functioning adult will be responsible for this child, and I gave back to my father his shame that was no longer mine. And it's a very powerful forty-five minute experience of purging and. Feeling the pain and the anguish that, that I had carried to release that and come out alive. In retrospect, I know today was the pulling of the true self, which I believe is the absolute being of who I am and has always been. And to understand, to capture and to, to bring forth into my own focus my true identity was freedom. Right, and that's really the mysticism. I, I Sometimes I think um, the idea is about that a, my, a mystic is somebody that somehow is above it all, but really, no, no. if you go back, back through history, the mystics are the people who went through it all and found themselves by facing their pain, facing the difficulties. Well... I, I know that for me, um, that's now, no one perhaps, will, I don't, it, I, I believe that my spirituality had, was earned 
and it was but it was the original sense of the word that I had to make it my own by the work by the the journey into this self that I'm talking about was the freedom and I when I just sitting here and and remembering these 50 years and the past 26 years and the culmination the gratification that I have is overwhelming because to rest in that place that I described in the beginning of the true self and what unity has brought to me to understand the principles is so different than what I knew when I went there 23 years ago. You know, it provides a place for me to sit and interact with you without having to judge you. I can allow you to be because I'm being... I mean, we all show up in Christ consciousness in different places. Who am I to say? You know, the soul's journey is to be... open my hand and receive the gift of the Christ. It is certainly not about being above but being one with. So as you've and done to this feel that difficult... Love and to feel that... Excuse me? So as you've done the difficult emotional work, you've actually found, found that way to be accepting of yourself and other people. And to make yes, that... If I can't ex- yes, if I can't accept me, I certainly am not going to... I'm going to be very hard on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've be been able to make spirituality real instead of an abstract. Absolutely. Because it is, it's just the, the step. That's, no, that's one day at a time in the moment. It is in the moment. And to rest in that place, in that space, in that emptiness is such a relief to not be having to struggle and make it all right and fix it. And, you know, and, and no, oh, it's just amazing to me. I'm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were speaking about unity and how you had... In, in the course of this process, you did get involved with unity and unity principles. So that must have had an effect on, on your recovery and on discovering yourself. How did that impact you? Well, I was so stunned because I really, I, I, w- I knew about unity back in the 80s when I, was, I would run. Uh, that was my um, discipline. Uh, now, I'm, I'm in my re- recovering work for adult children and doing my codependency work, and so I had chosen running because it was something I could do. And, and in running on Sunday mornings, I listened to the minister at the time, the message, and I, I had been reading Eastern um, Wisdoms and the other ancients for oh, know, several years, and I thought, well, this is, this is what I believe. I believe that God is everywhere and God is within me. At the same time, I have noticed from the past 23 years how the principles and my incorporating those within myself has changed. Because as my thinking has changed and how I respond and, and even my boundaries, then they, the principles can become a greater part of who I am. Because I, it, it is not about memorizing the truths. It is about living, being, allowing that Christ to live within me, and I have to get out of the way. And it's a constant reminder. I mean, ego is, wow, ego is very amazing to me. That I call it easing God out. And, and it's not that ego is not a wonderful experience, but it is about making decisions 
and about choosing perhaps what kind of bread I want, but not it is not all who I am. I mean, it is not that defended, scared child that is running my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, do I falter? Yes, I do. I do indeed, and I embrace my humanness because I can't grow without it. I just cannot. And that's, I, I'm so pleased to know that I have uh, what I guarded my heart with long ago and how lonely this inner child was. And that was the part of me that ruled me. And now I can love this child and love this compassion for, for myself in my mistakes and in my humanness. You know, being in a rock and a hard place is really about, I think, <laughs> about life. And being in the middle, it's, I think, far better for me to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's like you've become the friend to that inner child or, or maybe even the parent to that inner child that that, that child needs and, can, and you've helped it, help yourself to, to grow up in a sense and helped yourself emotionally to grow up in ways that... Well, yeah, that's, correct. that's true, and that's, that's really what the inner child work is basically about is to reparent. And a child needs time, tension, and direction. They need to be know that they're valuable, that they are vulnerable, that they're imperfect. And Pia has always said that it's okay to be perfectly imperfect. And mm-hmm. that is true. Uh, life is going to happen to me, and I, I want to be able to embrace what happens to me with a sense of not detachment but being one with and notice it is about noticing moment by moment by moment. What I notice, and I'll, I'll say that one of the most incredible opportunities to do boundaries and to understand thinking is at church. Because we are all in such different places, and it's a wonderful place to notice how you show up and how you're, what you are about looking at what's happening rather than judging it, be a part of it, and let it be. It's not for me to control, but to allow. And that is, I think, the biggest gift for my life. Even in relationships, I have to allow you to be who you are and not cling to you and make you be something that you're not to please what makes me feel better. But that's my job. And that is the boundary, the internal boundary system that I had no clue about. 26 years ago. Right. A lot of times we get into the idea that that love means you're all globbed together with people and that you please them and you try to fix them and make them feel better and so forth. But that's not really the kind of love you're talking about. You're talking about a very different quality of love. Yeah, I'm talking about a love for me that comes from, um, let's see, it comes from me from like inspiration rather than clinging or attachment. There, you know, attachment is a, is a way different experience for me than inspiration. Uh, allowing a person in my life that I love to be who they are is the only way that I can have parallel play, as children do. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe that. Because I will cut that person off from their life's force if I become their god. That's powerful. It's time for a break. Thank you, Doe. 
We'll be back in, in just a moment talking some more with Doe about Journey to the Mystic Heart. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Unity is designating 2011 as the Year of Abundant Living, and throughout the year we'll be providing you with a variety of free online resources to support you in living your abundant life. Knowing that living an abundant life begins with gratitude, we affirm, I give thanks for divine love that blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. And so it is. To make this the year you live your abundant life, go to www.unity.org and click on the Abundant Living Resource Center. And tune in each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central Time for Sacred Abundance with me, Rev. Robin Ryder, as we learn and apply essential spiritual principles to our real-world experiences, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. Again, we're very glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Journey to the Mystic Heart. And my guest is Doe A. She's got 38 years of sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous and 26 years of, I'm going to call it sobriety, um, with her inner child. She's done a lot of uh, deep work with her inner child and uh, reparenting and dealing with emotions. She's talking about how powerfully spirituality comes from doing that. It's really about reclaiming your real self and uh, letting go of that need to be in control of everything, let go of some of those survival tools and, and come into to real living. So this is a great time to give us a call or an email. You can call us at 888-55-UNITY or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm and Doe would be happy to address your comment or question. And we do also have the book that we're giving away today, donated by Hazelden Foundation by Melody Beatty, Playing It by Heart, Taking Care of Yourself No Matter What. And we'd love to give you that book. So if you email us or call us, we'll put you in for the drawing for that book. So, Doe, right before the break, you were telling us about um, the idea of loving somebody is, is really about connecting to their life force and not cutting them off in any way by playing God in their life. And, again, that's the big paradox. We, sometimes we think the way we help people is by playing God, but really it cuts them off 
from their own life. So how would you ta- how would you define the life force or and how can we help support people other the people that we do love in having their own in touch with their own life force? Well, in my I will maybe talk about some of that in my sponsorship, but it, it is um to allow someone to have their own self-recognition is where their power is. Uh, and it, that unfolding, it's the understanding of the Christ that I understand is an unfolding. It, the truths are not, again, something that I can really memorize or that I can glibly speak, but it, it's an unfoldment that takes time. And the people that I'm surrounded with and love and care, their unfolding is on their time. It is their soul's journey. And how I can support that is hear them. I can notice them. I can read the expressions because I learned to do that. And so I can take what I learned as a child just to protect myself. I can use that in a way that is seeing them for who they are and loving them in that place. And for them to feel their reality is theirs and it is not mine. I can add to that by allowing. What I feel sometimes is that if I'm united with God, it's really not something that I do. Um, God does this for me. I mean, God does when I allow, and it's the same thing for others, I believe. And I use the word allowing a lot because it is continuously getting out of my way and letting the true self, the spark, the light, the playfulness that resides in us all to be free, to touch life in a way that is not with disdain or contempt, judgmental. But the force has always, it is always, it, God in our first principle. God you know, is absolute lang- good and everywhere present. Right. You know, the language that you use, I know that you don't label yourself a mystic, but the language that you use is the language of, of the mystics. If, if a person goes back and reads um, any of them from any culture, uh, some of them, you know, I'm familiar with her, like Julian of Norwich and uh, some of the medieval European Christian mystics, and certainly there are mystics in every tradition and across all ages. But that's really, you're using the same language it's it's about allowing it's about knowing that all is well it's about uh not uh trying to change other people it's about being in tune with life yes i i yes i i feel that uh and i can you know to kind of regress back to what is clinical is that the internal boundary system my knowing my inner self and my inner feelings. And I believe that's what Jesus wants for, for me to know my inner feelings because that's where he resides. And I can listen because that's always been there. And that is where, the, you know, the Father and I are one kind of thinking and experience and feeling and, and going into True humility about love, that kind of love, and is um, 
it is just overwhelming. Um, I believe that the first prayer I really ever spoke, Anna, was when 38 years ago when I was sitting in an apartment staring out the window, and I'd had two respiratory arrests and had been home from the hospital, and I was hoping the bottle was still there to give me divine connection. I sat there for 12 hours and looked out into a world that I desperately wanted but didn't know how to navigate. And my prayer was, oh, God, help me. And, and I'm so grateful for the evolution of the serenity prayer as, as my concept and understanding integration of, of God granting me. And my me has certainly changed. And now I, I believe that oftentimes prayer just wells up from my heart that God teaches me himself, and that is just silence and gratitude for the gift of this life and that I have been given. I know that you have uh, sponsees that you work with um, on these deeper levels of knowing the self. What are the things that you suggest to them? about how to recover that self, how to find it and connect with it? Well, it is a variety of ways. I know I, I, there is a story that I, when we're just beginning, there is a story that I, I like to tell them about um, an apple tree. It's a 19th century tale about an apple tree in Connecticut that lightning uh, struck and it split it in two and the farmer came and cut the tree down and made a table. And years later, um, this farmer kept hearing this scratching and clawing, and in a few weeks, this wonderful, beautiful moth came out of the wound and was just flitting around in delight. And so I talked to them about the importance of feeling the pain, the mourning, because that is, the frozen child doesn't want to do that, because in the holding ourselves together, we are totally in, out of touch with the pain because we've covered it with control, compulsive self-reliance. I can do, if I don't do, I'm not kind of thinking. And so to break through that, um, they begin to understand if they want delight that it's going to take the morning and grieving of what they never had, um, however that would show up in their history. And the other, it's a gestalt technique that I have found very successful, and that is that they carry a, an, an egg, a raw egg in its shell with them wherever they go for a week. They wrap it into a, either a cloth or a hanky, and they take it in their purse or in the car to their office. And what they realize in doing this is the fragility of the inner child that they have lost, how much care that really child needs. How many times they broke the egg is so reminiscent and indicative of how they treat themselves. It's that kind of self-awareness that uh, is helpful for them. And then we, you know, I, I get a history. Uh, we start going through their um, understanding of their own abuse and where it really has impacted them, whether it was intellectual or spiritual or emotional or all, and begin reclaiming that. And I use a workbook. It's called Breaking Free that P.M. Melody has done with a companion book um, 
freedom from codependency. And so I use that, and, and we, it's just a process that we do. I meet with them every week. Um, we go through the steps, of course, with this Breaking Free book is bounded through the steps. Um, they discover that they're powerless over this little child that's uncontrolled. So they've got to understand to let go of that. What are some changes you've seen in people's lives as they do this work? I see them not afraid to make mistakes. I see them be able to understand that life is not perfect, but they can handle it. They can hold that tension and still be themselves and know that they're valuable and special and have a connection to the God of their understanding. And they delight in life. They feel hope. You know, Paul said, I think that we, I don't know, I think it was Paul um, that said there will always be hope because God pours desire in our hearts. And I talk with them about, if they ask me about my spirituality, and over time I have three now attending Unity, which I'm delighted for them to do. So, um, But I see them happy. I see them freer, and it's, but it takes time. It takes, I've sponsored people for six, seven, eight years. It's a life process. It is a lot. Well, yes, it is. I'm still, yes, it is a life process, I can be for sure. Um, most of the people that I do sponsor are in therapy with a therapist that calls and talks to me and asks me if I would be willing to work with them uh, around my recovery and sponsor them, and I do that. And gladly, because it's really the, it's the love of my life to do this work with them. Because I can share with them what I know what it was like to be in that lost, painful place and to, to reinvent what was always there and to allow it to be is the final gift to myself. And I hope for them. You know, I hope for them. Powerful. You're a reader, Doe. What are some of the things that you read that uh, support your journey? Well, I have read um, a lot of Viktor Frankl's works. I love James Hollis. I love um, Thomas More and his work with the soul. Um, I... I guess Alice Miller was really a, a big help for me uh, early in my recovery. I have there were several books that were very just really important for me initially, and that was the Twelve Steps of Self Parenting by uh, Philip and Oliver Diaz. That's a wonderful book, and Healing the Child Within by Charles Whitfield, and After the Tears by Jane Middleton Moss and Laurie Donnell. Um, they're from I think in the Seattle area. But they are therapists and uh, addiction specialists who have paid attention to this wounded child and what the child really needs, and these books are very helpful. Um, and I was going to, well, I wanted to share with you um, a, a part of what has been so important to me from Emily Cady, if I may. Sure. She writes that you may study with human teachers and from man-made books until doomsday, and you may get all of the theological lore of the ages, 
and you may understand intellectually all the statements of truth and be able to prat healing formulas as glibly as oil flows. But until there is a definite inner revealing of the reality of the indwelling Christ through whom and by whom comes life, health, peace, power, and all things, I who is all things, you have not yet found the friendship of the wayshore who is the true example. And it's the definite inner revealing is what the inner child work has been for me. To let go of what was useless, but that I, it was mine to do. And to have what I know today and feel today is just an incredible gift. Doe, thank you so much. I'm sorry our time is up. You have given us uh, deep understandings, deep truths. You've really taken us into a journey into our mystic heart. Thank you. Thanks for the work that you've done with yourself and how generously you share that with other people. We appreciate it. Thanks for being a guest today. Thank you, Reverend Anna. Yeah. God bless. And to our listeners out there, thank you for listening today. And uh, we know you've been touched by what Doe shared Join us next week when we're going to be talking about the yoga of recovery. And yoga teacher Julie Wright integrates yoga and the 12 steps of recovery. She creates a powerful tool. Join us next week. Know you're in my prayers. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. like there's a lot of uncertainty out there about the economy these days. A lot of people have lost their jobs and some have even lost their homes. So how do you stay positive with so many negative facts coming at you every day? That's what the program The Prosperous Life is all about. It inspires, uplifts, and reminds you of the truth that we live in an abundant universe supplied by an infinite giver. Hosted by Chris Michaels and Stephanie Piper Stone, this program takes the spiritual approach to creating and maintaining your faith in abundant living. Tune in Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time to learn how to live the prosperous life on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm loving my life. You better believe it. That's good all around. Things may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. 
This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.